0: forever dog they write they talk and talk about what they write tune in tonight, tonight, tonight or whenever the time is right it's the writer's panel with Ben Blacker and it's starting now
1: oh
2: yeah this is a podcast we are doing it <laughs> Uh, Thank you all for being here. This is a killer group. I'm so happy to have all of you. Um, I'm going to start by asking you to introduce yourselves on the microphones. Um, Tell us your name and tell us uh, somewhere the listener may have seen your name on their television screen. And, Kai, let's start with you. Uh,
3: My name is Kai Wu. Um, You might have seen my name on um, Hannibal, um, The Flash, and. Uh, Recently, I just wrapped Carnival
4: Row, but I wrapped season two, so you will not see my name for another three years. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tamara Becker-Wilkinson, and if you have a DCU subscription, you will see my name on Doom Patrol. If you do not, then you may have seen my name on Marvel's Daredevil.
5: Uh, my name is Mark Verheiden. Um, if you had a DCU
1: <laughs>
5: subscription, you may have seen my show Swamp Thing. Uh, but before that, I worked on uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Daredevil, uh, Battlestar Galactica, and some other shows, Hero,
0: Heroes, did I say that? Mm-hmm. Um, so several shows over the years. Hi, I am Dana Lynn North. Um, let's see. You may have seen my name on Veronica Mars. Um the
1: <laughs> <laughs> my favorite <laughs> show of all time. To entire
0: freaking I guess do I call it oh the or, the OG? Right, I yes. yes. I don't know which way we're going with oh all God. that, but the OG. Um Veronica Mars on the CW. Uh you may have seen it on a show called Switched at Birth, um, mm-hmm. that was on the artist formerly known as ABC Family Freeform. <laughs> um and you may have seen it on Insecure. Are
2: you currently on Insecure? No, I actually uh <laughs> you gotta bring it up now. Oh
0: no, I'm teasing. I love you so much, and I'm still going through FOMO, and I'm gonna sneak yeah. on set and eat craft service. But um, I just um, departed for season four, just with the amount of stuff I was juggling. Mm-hmm. You know, we took. I still say we, by the way, because I'm, <laughs> I'm never gonna not. Um, we took a year off between seasons three and four, yeah. and with it, by the time we were ready to come back, I was like, sure. hey, guys, I can't. So yeah, it's a bummer. It's a long way of saying you no. Know, I just right. stalk them now. Sure. I don't blame you. And and I threaten everyone that I must stay on all party lists. So far, it's working. Yeah, I'll nice. keep you posted. Oh, nice. Can we get on those party lists? <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I
2: want to start. I told you all that uh, I'm tired of asking how you broke in. That stuff sort of comes naturally. So I want to talk about a thing that writers in uh, television writers specifically love to talk about, and that is lunch. Um, tell me about the lunch ritual if you are currently working on a show tell me what's going on how lunches are chosen (laughs) tell me about uh shows you've worked on where you liked the process you didn't like the process when did you get in trouble so glad anyone wants to jump (laughs) in
3: (laughs) i'm gonna jump in because this is for all the dc people like we are pretty by carnival row and i was on the flash we had like a pretty good selection, but there's this place called Ding Tai Fun mm-hmm. that, like, we would order from. Mm-hmm. And um, But here's the thing. Phil Klemmer from Legends Tomorrow <laughs> created this list Yes, yeah. R- <laughs> my Mars. Um, this, this order is called the Phil Klemmer uh, Ding Tai Fun thing. So that's been passed around to all the DC shows. When I was on Deception, I took it with S- me to Carnival Ooh, not the one that I'm on, girl. S- well, so- you're not. Wow. Dino is the one who has that list, too. But totally wait, I want to understand. For- what is going on?
0: I don't know. So that I can give him shit about it later, one. But two, I want to understand the, like, is it, a filth, is it a list of... What's on the Phil Clemmer list? He,
3: he, it is just like he has the portions ready. Like, he knows like four chicken dumplings, eight soup dumplings. It's just like we just go... We, so you don't have to pick yourself. I just... Phil, send me the list you guys have. We just send that list into thing Think tai Farm. And
0: it And it will... And it doesn't basically give lunch to a room. Like, it's enough for a room. Yeah, generally. So you don't have to do all the thinking Not and really. fighting. And oh. Yeah, like,
3: Carnival is small, so mm. we have to scale down maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but then I checked with Legends. So I was like, how many people is this for? Yeah. It was... That's... So, Phil Klemmer is going to be known for the Thing Fun Lunch Award. <laughs> wow. I mean, among The hilarious. Flash, Arrow, <laughs>
0: Supergirl maybe have done it. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's How really that me? That's super cool. Yeah. That's um, cool. Mark,
2: a lot of your TV stuff is starts around 2000. This is when there was money in TV. That's what I've heard. <laughs> it's only about <laughs> the, the lunches. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, well, um, so my theory on lunches... It depends on whether you're working for someone or whether you showrunner. Mm. Um, when I became a showrunner person, I was like, I could care less. So please, someone do this for me. Um, and I noticed that when I wasn't there, they would order really awful stuff. Um, <laughs> and stuff because I wouldn't, it's high salt, and I just didn't want all that stuff. And so right. all of a sudden, the really high salt stuff would come in. Um, when I was there, it got made them sad because it's salad place. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I'd go to two because I got so bored with my decision. But, oh my but I will say there was one show I was on where we went out to lunch every day, and oh, wow. uh, which was fun at first. But after a while, it's interesting. Um, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And it took two hours out of the day. Yeah. And if you have a family and you want to go home, mm-hmm. at some point, it's like, I'd rather go home at 6.30 than... Eight thirty. Yeah. So uh, I sort of learned from that when I went forward. Is like uh, you know let's let's have it in the room or have it at your desk. I, you know take a break. But um, you know I'm kind of I'm a family guy. I have a wife and a son, so I'm like I want to get out of there at a reasonable yeah. hour if possible. So mm-hmm. that, all those sort of inform my lunch decisions. Have nothing to do with the cuisine we order. <laughs> <laughs> like, just about efficiency and yeah, stuff absolutely. like that. I
2: actually know? wanted to ask about like it's sort of a bigger picture about the way a room might work. And, like, I've been in rooms where everyone eats together and it worked great. I've been in rooms where we don't eat together and it works great. But, like, wh- where do you all stand on that? What is the what is gained by eating together as a group, staring at the same people <laughs> for <laughs> 8 to 12 hours?
0: Well, I'll actually speak to that. Um, because I, on Insecure, we... Ate together more often than not. And it was, there is a, you know, the, the cliche about a show being like family is is mm-hmm. a big cliche. But I think one of the things that was unique about, about the Insecure staff is how much we actually enjoy, truly enjoy hanging out with each other. And so even though um, we were going to be sitting in that room, you know, we've been there half the day, we're going to be there the other half. What we used to do, I think, with our lunch hour-ish was there'd be that period where people would kind of break off and go do emails, go do calls, go. But we'd all end up migrating by the time our food was there. We would all migrate back to the conference room usually or some communal spot and hang. And it really was, I think, that we would just enjoy the hang of like, you know, which says a lot because there are a lot of rooms where it's like, uh, is it one (laughs) o'clock? I'll see you in an hour and a half if I have to, you know, but and and not even and not because you don't enjoy them, but you know how you just want your private time. And so it said, I think it really, it spoke and speaks to the, to the vibe of that show, that like we um, that we you know end up kind of migrating back and wanting to kind of hang. Did you find that those were productive as well? Um, but you mean productive lunches or just productive productive lunches? Um, we that was the nice thing about it was that they didn't. Sometimes, of course, right. they didn't. The goal was not for them to be. Yeah. It was pretty rare for that we had to work through lunch, which is good. But um, but off for sure, I mean, because that is one of those shows because it's such a like. Uh, day in the life and what's going on and angst right. and all that stuff uh, you know and hel- making fun out of your angst so for sure the stories that might come up over lunch right. and all that stuff um, but that was true all the time for us the random <laughs> little like this okay so I went on this date I know it's a I did and I said I wasn't gonna you know whatever <laughs> this stuff is that like comes up very often ends up uh-huh. seeping in That's and cool. so it happens for sure lunchtime stuff absolutely I mean I think we made a whole sub one of our whole sub uh, you know shows with in a show came oh, out of a lunchtime routine so that. yeah so no, it's, it is all useful and the only other thing I wanted to add is I think for me it's interesting to see how a room's personality can be reflected in the lunch. lunch. <laughs> uh, at <laughs> least that's what I found. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if that's for you all. But yeah, so like for us, we had things that we would make fun of each other about, like this person's always gonna choose that, mm-hmm. and why do you, you know, I mean, and it, there was there was this affectionate undertone to lunch as well, like it carried over to all the things, yeah. you know, like, funny. yeah,
2: couscous, um, whatever. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna ask, you know, sort of coming off of that, broadening this question out, uh, you all have, like, I hope people will pull up IMDb on all of you while they're listening to this podcast, because there's like a hundred shows represented <laughs> among the four of you. Um, and I want to talk about rooms you've been in. You've all worked in a bunch of rooms. Um, I want to talk about functional rooms and wherever they fell in your career, what are lessons you will take from rooms you've been in when you are running a show, and some of you have run shows. But what will you take with you that is the stuff that you think works, that you've experienced?
4: Uh, Well, I'll just jump in. Mm -hmm. One thing that always impresses me about the room that I'm in right now is I've noticed that the boss, Jeremy Carver, listens to everybody. And even when... He's, I mean, I think, my impression of it, even when he's made up his mind or he doesn't think it's the right direction, he listens to everybody. Even when he's in the middle of a thought and somebody else jumps in, he almost always lets them. And I feel like uh, that links up to something else that uh, someone had told me once a long time ago, which is that, and this is a very uh, base way of saying it, but he said basically a... uh, smart person listens and a dumb person doesn't. Mm. And it's very, and I think, you know, maybe they were trying to teach me something (laughs) at an earlier point in my career, but I I got the message, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I find that through him listening to everybody and allowing everybody to feel heard, Whether or not the idea is right or not, it instills a sense of trust and morale in the room, but also a sense of this is a safe place where I can pitch. So even you might have the craziest, stupidest idea that winds up being the best episode of the season (laughs) and you have to feel comfortable in doing that. So that's what I really would want to foster in my in my room yeah I
5: I agree fear fear is not a good thing in a writer's room or being afraid to speak up and um, after a while both as a running room which I've done for other people but also running my own room as a showrunner I have some rules so and they're not they're not they're just rules. Like One is along the same lines we were just talking about, the five-minute rule, which is any idea is worth five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, listen to anything, because sometimes even an idea that feels wildly off the wall will take you down a road where you go, like, that's really impressive. I have a three-pitch rule, which is the third time we say no, uh-huh. uh, let's not Wait, hear it again until next year. David doesn't <laughs> want you to get no, defeated. No, thank you. I was going <laughs> to say the-
0: that's required, that it takes three times, but I get it. <laughs> Some but please people are go very on. persistent.
2: It's sure. They're very persistent. Sure. And, and then, you've worked in big rooms, too, right? uh, Big,
5: uh, Yeah, big, small. Uh, you know, Heroes was like 12 or 13. Yeah, wow. that's pretty big. But, but so anyway, big, what are big, yeah. the other
2: rules? Yeah.
5: Um, those are the two big rules. And mm-hmm. then I think, you know, just the general be nice. Um, mm-hmm. It's like uh, don't cut people off, let yeah. people finish. Um, and, uh, there are times when you're under the gun and you're, everybody's stressed and you need to get something done and things, tempers can get a little shorter or whatever. But, um, I think, you know, the job of a, of a good co-exec who's running the room or a showrunner, whoever, whoever's running the room is to keep it, the flow going. And if you start shutting people down and telling them shut up or, you know, I've actually heard that. Oh, wow. Uh, meh, I've heard a lot of things. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, then you, you close down all the great ideas. and so for me it's it's keeping it open and keeping it keeping it rolling and and also i'm full information sort of guy when it comes to this it's, i've discovered some shoulders like to keep a lot of secrets about yeah what's going yeah. on you know like oh yeah. well, like you know what what does the network want what were the notes you know no you're going to give me the notes they gave huh. i'm a big believer if you're writing the script sitting there in the room with me on the notes call so you at least mm-hmm. i'll do the notes I'll, I'll hear them and i'll talk but i want you to know what's going on yeah. so i don't have to repeat it or it's a game of telephone right you mm-hmm. know or it's like well you didn't say that Um, and you can hear what the issues are and it's a lot easier I just I'm. you just heard from my lunch order into time saving how how can we make this an efficient process a fun (laughs) process and a process that gets out great material all at once
2: well there's so much to be done right like being the showrunner is such a different job to writing on someone's show that like you you have to be efficient you have to empower your writers in so many ways Mm -hmm. Um, have you been in rooms that have allowed this
0: um, well, actually, what I was just thinking about off of off of those fantastic rules, and then off of just the idea of listening to everyone, is there's there can sometimes be this weird magic in for me, you know, running rooms. It's finding that balance between letting a little bit of inefficiency creep in because it's it all can be useful. It's sort of under the same guise, right? It's like the wild crazy idea might end up being valuable. That moment of for me sometimes when especially if I'm running a room as a co-EP or running you know room on behalf of a creator, that feeling of like, but we've got to have a story when they get back. We've got to da-da-da, you know, might be in the back of my mind. But then when someone, you know, when the room just gets that energy of like, we need to play for a second, yeah. and then and then where that can end up going, you know, and being able to like ride those sort of energetic waves, which sounds, but you know what I mean. Uh, Ride the energy of, okay, so now we're going to, that, that digressions are very rarely that. And then finding that balance between, okay, now we've been playing for a while and we do want to have some version of something by the end of the day. Yeah. So figuring out that balance between, yeah, we do need to just like, energetically stretch out and just have fun and talk about nothing and talk about that episode of such and such last night mm-hmm. and whatever, whatever, yeah. you know, so for us um, on insecure and on, uh, on the, the view, the rooms I've run throughout my career, it's been fun to, to just play with that energy of like, Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's the taskmaster side of us whenever we're in that position, but then letting the side that's like, it's almost like the same thing you're doing when you're writing a script, kind of let, for me, yeah. letting that playful side of your imagination go. But I want to just talk about nothing, but yeah, it's not yeah, really yeah. nothing. So, you know, it's not <laughs> it's really nothing would be kind of, I guess why we're going to put that under a header. <laughs> and then the other piece for me that's valuable is pitching solutions. That if I were to pass on one thing to an up and coming writer, it would be, you know, and in in, again, in the spirit of, of just keeping a room flowing that like, if you, you know, if something isn't working, just that idea of like, Pitch solving, be a problem solver. Yeah. Like at any level, staff writer and all the way up. How can you be a, pro- a creative problem solver as opposed to like, okay, if that idea didn't work for you, you letting us know that idea didn't work for you yeah. is like not that right. useful. <laughs> it's like, and then what? You know. Yeah. So it's, it's that I, you know, that's that sometimes takes a minute I think for people to acquire that.
3: My old boss, when I was an assistant, told me this. It's, I've always remembered, and he said. When you get stats, remember, pitch, don't bitch. And I was like, that literally perfect. is in my head.
1: It's
5: yeah.
3: perfect. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, okay.
1: There's
0: pitch a fix, but I love pitch, don't <laughs> bitch. Yeah. Pitch, that's don't
5: bitch. I, I forbid the word stupid in my rooms. Because mm. I've been in rooms where someone say, well, that's stupid. And oh, wow. I'll go, no. That's Aww. not a, that's not a comment. Whoa. That's that's no. no it's that's not helpful. What it's, I want to hear is what is your pitch? Right. Yeah. Uh, how would you make it better? How? Exactly. Would, what is yeah. your idea? So uh, that word is not my favorite word. <laughs> wow. That'll get me cranky real fast.
3: <laughs> and, and on that too, I think a lot of like not a lot, but some writers, it, it's the it's the showrunner or whoever's in the room setting the tone. Like there's no like jostling for power or you know whose pitch it is because yeah. then, I've experienced sometimes you pitch something another person will jump in next pitch but like wait 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 like that we haven't even explored that person's pitch yet mm-hmm. so why are we jumping with the new things it goes to the exploring for five minutes or a little bit mm-hmm. so it's like but then all the writers have to feel comfortable and that like okay let's we're not trying to get our showrunners like at brownie points and that happened right. on deception it was a wonderful wonderful room it was like we all felt comfortable we explored every pitch, no matter how crazy it is, for at least a couple of minutes, and then we'll just go back to whatever we were doing. Mm-hmm.
4: Can I so. ask a question to the group, which I don't mean to hijack? <laughs> yeah, the please podcast, do. But what, Kai, what you said just made me curious about something, because like, and maybe this is revealing too much about myself. <laughs> Never. But, okay, so we've all been writers for a little while, like, do you still feel, in a way, like you are trying to earn those brownie points. That it does, like, when the when the showrunner is putting the ideas together and they say, you know, like Kai. So that thing that Kai was saying, if we did this, and you get that little thrill that <laughs> shoots through you, so there's still, like, this little part of us, even though we're trying to be collaborative and creative, that we still just want this, or maybe I just, me and I have daddy issues or something, but not that showrunner approval, it just feels so
3: good. I would say, like, first couple of weeks where you don't know someone, I feel, but then I think as the time goes on, Yes, I think I still get like, yay! I got. I, I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing my job, which is helping the showrunner get what he or she wants. But I think it's more like, and when I was younger, I would definitely be like, oh, did I get this pitch on the board? You know, much more about myself. When mm. now it's just more like, is this moving the show forward? Are we moving the thing forward? If it is great, if not, because I want to go home at six thirty right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really,
0: that's aside from lunch, that's the other thing. Yeah. We're all yeah. in what, in what time we're getting out of here? But actually, one of the things that I feel about that, around that, is is finding a balance. is something that can vary from room to room. Is how much uh, a showrunner will even do. I tend to lean away from doing a lot of. And then so and so have that idea. And then she said Mm -hmm. this. And then because at a certain point, it's like we do want to kind of lean into. We are a hive mind, like for better or for worse, right? We are coming to this table to be collaborative, and and so like in the moment, of course, like when someone's pitching something in the moment, and people vibe to it or they laugh or the like. You're you're usually as a writer, we're gonna have our moment, but then I, I think I think it can actually be counterproductive for from a show running standpoint. I try to not do too much. It was and then so and so said right. because it just because it does. It's impossible. I think we all have we're artists. We all have egos. It's natural to feel like. But then, but okay, they're not saying the thing. I, it, you know, I think it can create yeah. more. It um, implicitly
2: creates competition. Yeah, mm-hmm. that,
0: I, that I think is not that's not healthy. So mm-hmm. I actually try to, to lean away from doing too much of that because I just think yeah. But it's that's it right. is tricky. It is yeah yeah because I think it's I think it's human and artist mm-hmm. for us to just be like, and then mine no okay
4: yeah to need that validation mm-hmm. when you're just otherwise sitting alone at your uh, your typewriter yeah.
5: Well, everybody has a little ego.
4: Of course. Or, or giant ones. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so
5: when you go into it, I think, you know, you, you do have an ego and you do want to see your ideas succeed. And of course. see them on screen and stuff. And so I don't think that's – there's anything – I agree with what you're saying. It's not – Anything wrong with that? It's it's but um, it's uh, it is a little counterproductive to really start the room with you know. Well, Phil came up with that idea right. and Bill came up with that idea and she and he and he are just like okay, credits done. Yeah, <laughs> let's get down right. to we, breaking the it story. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, we. Yeah. I, I use royal we all the time yeah. and then so that. It's also, so the showrunner isn't saying like, oh, how come that person didn't
0: pitch? Exactly. Because it can, again, I feel like it can just end up working, be counterproductive, working against you.
2: Let's talk about some early experiences that all of you had and learning to be in a room and be like, as you said, like, we spend so much time, especially early in our career, sitting alone, writing a thing. Uh, The collaboration that is a TV writer's room is very different to that. Um, So tell me about some of the early experiences uh, that each of you had and sort of learning to become part of that hive mind. Anyone who wants to jump in?
5: Uh, I'll start for whatever. Uh Um, So, you know, I came into television out of features. I had had sold a bunch of features, like 20. And so... (laughs) Um, I was this kinda, is when they made movies, right? One, well, <laughs> they didn't make any of them. But, uh, they made a couple of them, yeah. but uh, um, and so I kind of lucked into my first show, uh, luck being a, in quotes, uh, in the sense that I hadn't been on a show before, and the studio decided to make you know it was oh man, those were the days. I learned a lot from that show. It was like thirteen on the air, order in the room after fifteen minutes at the studio, uh, oh ABC. Wow. uh I, I was uh, supervising producer writing the pilot, huh. and I'd never been in a room. I I had never done a show, and it showed pretty good. Um, so, however, I will say f- from that experience and moving on, that for me, working in a room with like-minded writers who are not full of politics and are really just working together to make a good show, it's the most fun you can have in ri- as a writer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to me, that's the, the whole reason I go to work, is to work with the team to get it going. The dealing with budgets, the dealing with everything else is fun, interesting, well, <laughs> Take budgets out of that. Um, dealing with a lot of the minutiae or not minutiae of making a show is less fun, uh, <laughs> just not fun but <laughs> working with the writers is a lot of fun being on set can be fun too Yeah. But, uh, so uh, um, anyway my experience was uh, I got thrown in off the deep end and I think if you can come up and actually get a little experience um, it's it's not a bad thing on the other way on the other hand there's a lot of people that start right at the top as you know they've written a big feature and they be right. whatever however they get more a, and more book recently. And they come in and then they bring in someone who's done it before and yeah. you learn that way which is fine I've worked with great people who are, that's a perfectly valid
2: way to do it in that early experience. What 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 was the show? Uh, Time Cop, the TV show. Sure. Was Mm. that a syndicated show? Nope, ABC. Oh, really? I didn't realize
5: that. No one realizes. (laughs) 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 I learned that a 13 guarantee is not
2: a 13 guarantee. Uh, No no. kidding. Nine and
0: out. There's no such thing as a guarantee. Um, So,
2: uh, you know, not not to bring you down, but it's been a while. Yeah. Bring us back to, to young Mark and how he was batted around on that show. Well, it was, uh, it was a learning experience. Yeah. You know, uh,
5: it was very, very difficult, I will say. And when I actually got That's done with sure. that show, I was sort of like, I'm not sure this is where I want to go. Um, then I got another show, which was another 13 on the air. <laughs> not I was, didn't create it right. um, for a long-forgotten network called UPN that... Yeah. Um, was the most fun I'd ever had in a room, which turned out to be a blast every minute of it. And I think between that and the room in Battlestar Galactica, I always try to make whatever when I work now, I want to emulate those rooms in terms of the amount of high, you know, good spirits and creativity and not killing people in terms (laughs) of hours. Yeah. Um, I was on one show where I remember the first year, um, we worked seven days a week and every day except Sunday was a 12 hour day for the first like wow. three or four months oh, and that got that's a little old after a while that's yeah.
4: productive yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well that those hours like, from
5: six
2: to nine just really <laughs> <you're> nailing it <laughs> yes. well, and that's uh, the thing right is when the best point.
4: ideas happen are yeah. after six right of
1: course
2: so um, anyway well i'll say we i've happened to have had a bunch of Thing writers on the oh. show recently because i loved the show well, and thank you it sounds like you're taking the stuff that you learned that you sort of codified uh, into the rules for running a room and they are all very happy writers. <laughs> they really oh, loved working good for to you on that show. I told you that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Check out a,
2: the previous episode. It was a great
1: staff.
5: We had a great yeah. staff. We had a great time working on it. So, um, sometimes things happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it works out. Um, Tamara, tell us about, um, some of these early experiences and like learning to be part of the group, when to speak, when not mm-hmm. to speak. Um, And just just like fitting in.
4: So my first room that I was in was Warehouse 13. And I had been trying for so long. I had a very long uh, runway to finally get my first writing job. And so when I finally got it, I didn't allow myself to enjoy it in a sense. I put so much pressure on myself that I realized I I sort of, in hindsight, I feel like I went into work every day thinking, you know, it's your, you know, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose this, you have to be amazing every day, or you are going to lose this. And so I think that coming from that point of view with all that anxiety, That uh, I probably maybe spoke more than I should have or when I would pitch, my ideas weren't fully fleshed out because I felt like if I don't solve at least one problem a day, I'm going to have to clean out my desk. Mm. Um, But then as time went on and you realize and I didn't know anybody else in the room really well. And then as you get to know people, you realize like this is a team Mm -hmm. and everybody is here trying to help the showrunner push a ball up the hill. And maybe some half a thing that you say might help somebody else, or maybe you just need to sit and listen for a while and not throw out some crazy thing that derails the entire room. So I think that's actually another big lesson that I had to learn early on was keeping up with the flow of the room. And when we're trying to solve a certain problem, staying on that problem and helping with that as opposed to throwing something else that I've been thinking about for the past hour that just derails everything.
2: Yeah. And and it's a hard, like... That's something I feel like you can only learn by doing, mm-hmm. right? It's you. You can't teach someone to read a room.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't teach someone to go with the flow. Ugh, reading a room. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> How, tell me about it early on. Did it come easily to you? Um, I was really fortunate in that I did a writer's assistant gig a couple of times on a couple of different shows, mm-hmm. which I think is just still. I mean, I'm biased about it, but I feel like it's the best way to come into, particularly writing for TV. You know that style of, um, because you just get a chance to. You it's truly you know, it's a master class, like every day, you know, so, and on a drama i was I was um doing a red assistant gig on a couple different dramas and got a chance to um first of all, I worked you know, with a a woman who really mentored me, Nancy Miller, um back in the day who really got that like. She really saw herself as a mentor, and really enjoy, and was an incredible one, and enjoyed the process of kind of putting her assistants and her young writers through kind of a boot camp. Mm -hmm. Um, But even learning the thing of like, oh, I need to pitch a fix, because I'd be sitting there taking notes, going, this idea is trash, but I can't really (laughs) do anything about it, and you know, like, and because I knew as an assistant, I I was invited to pitch, but I'm like, I obviously can't say this person's, so I gotta, the only thing I can do is try to come up with something better. So Mm -hmm. practically learning, what Mm -hmm. does it mean? if you if you hear something you don't think works you know then pitching a fit you know learning those things in the moment and also just learning getting to watch story unfold getting to watch like oh and then they threw out half the season oh okay and then how do we recover from that and getting to watch those you know see see the, the room recover from that stuff and see what all of that looks like while not Abby, while it wasn't on me per se yeah. right well i'm just like here are the notes guys i know you i know we're gonna be fine i know we're gonna be <laughs> fine you know so i just think it's It's such a valuable way to learn and get almost get almost all the benefits of being on staff without having to take the heat without, you know. And if you um, can can do the the listen more, talk less thing that you're supposed to be doing as an assistant, um, it's really it's valuable. Um, So that was what I did on a couple of different Mm -hmm. jobs and then did the, you know, writing a freelance episode and moving on to staff and. All that stuff. Because, yeah, again, I had, you know, I worked for a woman who really just valued that process. One thing she did, though, that was smart was like, of course, I was writing a spec pilot at the time, and or, and handing it out to different, asking that some of the different writers on staff, and they read it and gave me notes. Then by the time I handed it to her, she was like, how many people have read this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many notes have you got? She basically was like, thanks, trash. Um, huh. I need you to write me an outline in a week. Oh, wow. I need you to write me a, a first draft in two, wow. because that's what you're going to have to do. Right. Wow. Right? I mean, I think she Great. read, yeah, she read the sample, but was like, yeah, but I need you to, I need to right. see what you can really do. Let's we'll awesome. talk about
2: doing the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to get to that in a second. That's but, awesome. but Kai, tell us about those early room experiences for you.
3: Yeah, I'm like Dana, I actually had the um, opportunity to see like six different rooms. I was a writer's assistant, I was an EP's assistant where I was in the room. So to really, I was a script coordinator for half a second before I got fired. (laughs) Also saw the room. Um, Hard job, guys. Um, But um, so just like you, Like um, I was able to observe the dynamics, like when to speak and when not to speak. And then when I got on my first job as Hannibal so when I got on that show it was a very small room everyone was lovely and what I either someone told me or I just did it I don't know but it was kind of like um I just made it like there's a niche like I kind of like oh mm-hmm. um I private Hannibal I was a researcher on house mm-hmm. so I had all this medical knowledge and then it's like I'm just so used to researching stuff so then I would just every time a medical thing came up on Hannibal, um, I would just volunteer or jump in with information. Like I also just love serial killers too. So I read a lot about like criminal profiling on my own. Yeah. So then that would come in. So it's kind of like, so that made me feel a little bit better. Cause I just like, you know, uh, to Tara mentioned, I, I would be in my head so much. I'm like, am I talking enough? Am mm-hmm. I not talking enough? But then I was like, okay, if, as long as I can help with a solution of like this medical thing, right. then that became my place and I felt a little bit more settled Mm -hmm. and as the season went on um, yeah I mean like I ended up pitching this story with this really weird syndrome called Cotard Syndrome that's like from that I learned from House made it to Hannibal it's in one of the episodes but it's like so then it just shows that like you don't have to talk all the time you don't just give something so that the showrunner can you know get it up to the Mm -hmm. finish line
0: move it closer. And then finding a niche uh, and also, like leaning into this is my area of yeah. passion and kind of an area of expertise for yeah. me, and leaning into that also is cool. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah especially as a new writer. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, exactly. Like that I'm to trying to on. see
0: like, because they're all
3: amazing and brilliant, they have so many more experience, I'm just like, what can I do? How can I help this along and make their lives easier?
2: Uh, let's talk about actually doing the work. Left to write a script, whether it's for a show or whether it's, you know, you're delivering a pilot, whatever it is. Yeah. What does your process look like? And, and obviously on a show, you have a timeline yeah. to deal with, so it's a little different.
0: Oh, that question. That's <laughs> like saying, so how's your, you know, how's your, how's your room in your closet? Like, is it organized? <laughs> exactly. or is it more?
2: Let's get into it.
0: <laughs> well,
4: my room is never cleaner than when I'm on script.
0: <laughs> That's so
4: true. true. That's so true. Maya, I mean, I... I figured out that for me, that I'm better earlier in the day, that I need to get up and start right away. Otherwise, it's just so hard to get myself started. Mm-hmm. So I get up and, you know, shower, or brush my teeth or whatever. But then I sit my butt right down at the computer. And then I allow myself some time to look at the news and do some crossword puzzles. And then, you know, maybe some sneaker shopping, <laughs> And then I try to, as I'm doing what I call it my screwing around time. So I try to set myself a uh, time. So if I sit down at nine, I think, and depending on how much I have to do that day, I think, all right, you, you have a hard start at 10. You have one hour to screw around. And that, when I, it's like a psychological game that I play with myself, but it takes a lot of this anxiety out of it for me. And so that I get to do all this stuff and have like a great one hour, and then 10 o'clock rolls around and I find I can I can get started. That's
2: amazing. Mm. That's good.
3: <laughs> That's I'm going to adopt that process. Yeah, right. That's great. Yeah.
2: Um, and then once you do sit down, once you, you know, are in it, What's the progress like? Uh, are you getting good stuff? Or are you just getting anything down? And how long do you give yourself?
4: I learned from another writer, Derek Hughes, mm-hmm. who I was on Warehouse 13 with, where he had taught me about this thing called the vomit draft, which... What's that? And so, what he explained is you just type anything. You just get a shape of the scenes and you write the most basic dialogue, like, Hi, I am angry at you. Well, I am even angrier at you, just to get something on the paper. Because the fear of the blank page is so great that, and and I was just thinking about this the other day that for the longest time, I thought I hated writing, but that I had, you know, I was, you know, I could make a living at it, so I do it. But what I realized is what I hate is the anxiety mm-hmm. before writing, but when I'm actually in it that I enjoy it. And so that when you don't have that blank page and you can go back in and rewrite, it becomes a lot easier. So I always think about it as like the the block of concrete or marble, mm-hmm. and I just keep chipping away at it.
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you think, and, and I'll open this to all of you, And and, you know, we often hear about like how writers hate writing. And I think you really hit on something about the anxiety of it. And is does the anxiety come from and maybe it's different for everyone? The worry about getting it right on that first pass? Is that what it is for you?
4: Yeah, and that's actually what I learned from or that I picked up and it took me a while to really internalize mm-hmm. was like reading one of these like we all read the books like the artist's way and the writer's way and that kind of thing. And what I learned in the writer's way, one of the earlier lessons was allow yourself to be bad, which goes along with the um, with the the vomit draft. And then I found that I was spending so much time trying to get just words perfectly that I wasn't getting anything done. Mm -hmm. So just in allowing myself to be bad in that first second, third draft or whatever, that at least I was getting stuff done. Yeah. Look, day one is always the hardest when you're going from the outline to the first draft. So there's a lot of, that's usually my worst procrastination day where I'm spending, you know, like 10 minutes staring at a page and then maybe half an hour doing a crossword puzzle from 10 years ago, you know, or reading about, you know, a Gizmodo or something. I, I, I think I read somebody who's a, some... I can't remember who it was, like Akiva Goldman or somebody who said, like, they spend most of their time screwing around and then the last hour getting all the work done. And for me, like, day one is kind yeah. of like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's month one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark, you uh, have been working on a pilot, right, mm-hmm. recently. So you theoretically have quite a bit of time <laughs> to work on In this. In theory, thing. yes. Uh, what have your writing days looked like? Um... It's maybe a i mean um I don't
5: know, unlike yours <laughs> um it's uh yeah i'm a plotter. And so I'm a very big believer in outlines. And so a lot of my time actually goes into the outline. And because if you don't have that structure ready, the thing I hate is getting to like a third act or something and going like, and then having worked on an outline where you go, well, I'll solve it in the writing. And then, which happens way too often. And then you get to that third act, you go, oh, this is a disaster. I can't figure this out or I can't get there from here or whatever. So I'm a big believer in, in really working out a solid, solid outline and taking that and then expanding it if you can, you know. By the way, then you've also exposed it to whoever else it needs to be exposed to yeah. at that point. So you're sort of like hoping you're vaguely on the same page as you go to script.
2: Yeah, you not, can sort of against notes at
5: that point. Yeah, but just so you know, like, well, no, don't go this way, don't go that way. It's like, yeah. good, let me know that now rather than when I spend a day doing a scene where they're saying this totally. and but you wanted them to say that. You know, that sort of thing. And then I'm just a plotter. I have to start on page one and, and go to page 50 or 55 or whatever. I I can't jump forward. I can't yeah. uh, do scenes later. Um, yeah. I, you know, obviously, if i'm rewriting something i can do that right. but um on my own stuff i got to start on page one and just keep going it's funny those first pages get mighty polished by the way <laughs>
2: i'm sure i just keep going back over them and over them a little bit further out each time like I, I hear over the years about people like saying write the scene you're most excited for first and and i feel the same like i have to start on page one and work my I way that's through. cheating almost
0: what, yeah why do you think yeah, that is it's too easy <laughs> 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 That's fair. Huh. Yeah. Do you have a thought? Um, why, why do you think that is? That, wait, I want to make sure I understand. Why, is, cheating? why you feel is it cheating? Compelled
2: to start on page one mm. when you've already, in essence, told the story in the outline, right? Cause you cause know what this thing is. I, I just
5: think pushing the hard stuff to later is cheating. It's like now you just you're setting yourself up to go like, oh god, <laughs> yeah. how am I going to get this done? I, you know, as opposed to okay, we'll start on page one and just keep working your way yeah, through yeah. it. And sometimes, by the way, the other thing I have found is these things aren't etched in stone even from an outline. Even on a studio True. show or whatever network show. So sometimes an idea you have on page 10 will pay off on page 55 mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have had if you yeah. started on page 55. Yeah, there's discovery so along the So it's way. the discovery of the characters and especially in a pilot where you're figuring out exactly who they are and that Absolutely. kind of stuff. So
3: Yeah. It's interesting that like, so you say about like plotting and pilot, like if I'm writing my own pilot, not for network or anything is that, I actually can't see it in an outline. I will write an outline um, and I definitely need a vomit draft and so from the outline to my vomit draft or especially, it's like, I will change 80% of it wow, and I wow. don't know why mm. that, um, but just because I, because I go through it so fast and then it's like, oh, I need to see the script form. Mm-hmm. But, when I got on a show and I was learning to write an outline and it translated to a script, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm like I'm not changing structure. <laughs> yeah. So I think I need to learn how to adopt that better for my own stuff. That's that's,
0: that's interesting, though. But it, it's, I think it's also cool, though, that you give yourself the freedom, you know, like you that you have an outline and then you find it again is yeah. kind of is also cool, though. Um, I
3: have no problem n- admitting that my outlines in first draft really really sucks so it's, just, it's, it's like who wrote, oh i wrote this oh my god so um
0: yeah. i can relate um i was gonna say one of the ways that i that i kind of trick my mind because at least i need a lot of tricks um for my for myself um is when i'm outlining i i feel like i let myself also write if i want to write this scene that comes mm-hmm. into my mind because i'm you know I consider myself to be a pretty character driven writer, and so there's all for me i get i might get excited about some scene at the right in the at the end or whatever and whatever act and so I always have what I call, and I, I heard this from someone on a panel years ago, like either a sandbox file or a playground file. Mm. So while I'm outlining, right. because there is that part of my brain, the kid, the little kid part of my brain it's like, oh, we're outlining. <laughs> so I want to write that scene where they run into each other in the parking lot, and I'm like, okay, over here. See when they run into each other in the parking lot. Blah, 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 This is what's gonna happen, I'm gonna cut you out, how did you do that, blah, 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 back to the outline. But oh. so then by the time, so it's, that helps my brain a lot. Um, so that by the time I get to a vomit draft, a first draft i have fun stuff that i can go i think i put something over here for this scene yeah. but i get to feel like i'm cheating and and <laughs> yeah. going in the right order at the <laughs> same time um, and that helps me a lot because I do my my brain does want to very much resist I, outlining. I've actually come to enjoy the, you know, the longer I've done them. But it's there's just that resistance to like, oh, we're writing or, oh, we've got to stay over here. So I, I have a file where I let myself just play. Yeah. And I usually end up finding. It's m- thank you. But not mine at all. <laughs> but, um, but it's been useful. Yeah. And most of the time, a lot of stuff does migrate, you know, ends up migrating over. That's awesome.
2: Let me shift gears and talk about um, we're doing like a, a writer's panel. Greatest hits today. Uh, let's talk about pitching How do you translate the things that are in your brain <laughs> To the people who need to hear them uh, Anyone who has had Recent pitching experience Please jump in oh boy.
4: Well, I, I've just been on a round of about mm-hmm. thirteen pitches and uh, passes across the board. So, if anyone has advice on how I could have better communicated, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm all ears.
0: Uh, it's just that, right? That it's that other level of gambling that is this town.
2: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about like so much is out of our control, you right? Know. So much is about what, what, one of those th- what any of those 13 networks don't want right yeah. now, because that seems to be what they fixate on, is what we don't want.
4: I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> I know that <laughs> really well.
2: <laughs> um, but let's talk about the stuff that is in our control and that is making it the best pitch it can be uh, in the same way that like, we write the best script it can be, and then it's sort of in a lot of other hands. Um, um, what have you found that works not necessarily that sold, but that you know works despite even it not selling.
5: I'll just for me. I, yeah. I, I finally came because I got so depressed. If you pitch and they pass, um, that uh, and every time. Oh. What did I do wrong? Um, That I finally said, you know, to myself, and this is just a way for me to get through this, is just I want to be the most prepared and ready. And if they don't buy it, it's not because I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what my process is, is to spend a lot of time writing a verbal pitch, if that's what it's going to be. Usually a Bible, but not always. But a Mm -hmm. verbal pitch of what the pilot is, what the general look of the show looks like, if there's any visual references. Although I found that's good and not so good sometimes. Mm -hmm. Depends how much time people have. And things. Um, and then, um, as much as I would love to memorize it and say it like a stand up comedian, I'm not an <laughs> actor. So I will mostly refer to notes as I'm giving the pitch and um, stay on track because, uh, you know, I hate doing that thing like, you know, oh, geez, let me go back. I forgot on page two, the killer's dead, you know, or whatever.
1: <laughs> so,
2: what a twist. <laughs>
5: that was the twist. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's why they found his body. But so, so, I mean, I, I imagine you've put this all down. You've Maybe you've done a Bible. But you've done all this sort of background work that you know the stuff by the time you I get do, and I've practiced it many
5: times, yeah. and and I've actually tried to think through sort of the um, gestalt certainly of the first season, first mm-hmm. season. Um, there's there's people that look, I've heard people go like, we have the first five seasons broken," and you're like, "Wow, that's all." a lot of work for something you haven't sold yet Uh, but um, uh, also it's a lot of work for projects that that as I found doing shows is they they morph as you get into them and you know know, what you thought was going to be season two is like well we love this Person, or we love this character. Or we mm-hmm. love this storyline. We're going to go that way, not that way. So, anyway, that aside. Um, so that's that's my process, and I will practice it. By the way, a lot. I, I, it's not like I go in and read it cold. I'll, no. I'll
2: I'll have it practiced. Do you practice with other people? Do you practice pitching to, Both. you know, your wife to a, to friends? Oh, not to the wife.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs>
5: no I she's either. No, because um, you need you need a more independent. Um, but she's a great. She'd be a great critic, but, um, you know, I really need to talk to someone who's in the business and understands what we're trying to achieve, I think. And, um, so, uh, you know, if I can, if it's one of the other producers, I'll certainly work with them if there's yeah. other producers involved. Sure. And, uh, and then I also, when I had an agent um, or when you have a manager, yeah. I would, you know, what's, what's the feel for the places we're going? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not mm-hmm. that it would morph entirely when you go into that place. But if it's like, well, they're more this driven or more that driven, you can kind of not focus as much on X and a little more on Y. Yeah. But basically the show is the show. So there's only so much of that mm-hmm. you can fuss with
2: going yep. in. So That makes sense.
0: I'm trying to think of anything valuable. <laughs> just tell us about your experience. Yeah, have you been pitching lately? I have, okay. I have, um, and I think one of the things that I've just found over the and, and I was thinking kind of how has my process evolved a little bit is just um, finding a balance between because I do write a pitch out um, but leaving some room and I and I go through it a couple times but there's something about like for me the, the knowing that my voice is gonna be just a when I say that I mean my like energy my Mm -hmm. I I do have like a you know I'm pitching comedies a lot so I'm Mm -hmm. doing a lot of like (laughs) (laughs) but in a way that still is you know but in a way that's obviously going to service you know the pitch so I do try to find a balance actually between writing everything out and then leaving room for Whatever I may want to throw in that is that is born out of my excitement about this story, you Mm -hmm. know, and sort of bringing one of the things that I like doing in a room is feeling like I can bring my pitching audience into what I think is going to be fun and what I'm excited about this show, you know, and and so one for me, one of the ways I tend to do that is a little bit of like. Is having a pitch, but just having those moments when I know I'm gonna. And sometimes I'll kind of plan this will be like an off-book kind of mm-hmm. you know, moment. And then I'll, but I'll let whatever the joke is gonna be or whatever the thing will come in that in the room. Um, so striking that kind of balance and like letting it feel as as natural and as much like I'm telling you this story and yeah. this is this is why I think this story is super cool and this is why this story gets me so you know. Mm-hmm. But the the more that I can genuinely. Um, infuse that. I feel like that's always um, yeah. Because I think you know, there's the stuff we know, which is as far as just having the pitch be as tight as possible and all that. And so then, um, you know, that's the thing that I've that I've gotten more comfortable with is like, how do I want to bring my voice to this thing? Yeah, what is yeah. my take on this thing? Because
2: and why am I excited about exactly? Because that's what gets other people excited. About yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I think. I've only sold one thing. So that, so this, oh, I will only one, only, no. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, no, um, she has so many more stuff, uh, but it was, I learned that like tone and clarity and specificity mm-hmm. is, um, you know, and because it was my first time I was writing up the pitch pages and it was like, oh, it's, here's a story. But then it's like spe- specifically, like, what is that scene? Mm-hmm. What is that emotion? And what I discovered is that, um, a lot of people, because execs are hearing so many pitches a day. Like um, what we're imagining is not what they're imagining, so we gotta, yeah. we gotta, we gotta tell dictate what they're seeing. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid to be so specific. Which I was so afraid because I'm like, oh, it gets bogged down details. Right, yeah. I do worry about
2: that too. Yeah. So how did you find your way around it?
3: Um, my pitch was 30 minutes. I don't know. Um, it was super long, but it was. Um, and I had another EP on it who helped me with it too. and mm-hmm. it was like, it was so clear. there's like a tone and the the show I sold was very um very interesting tonally. So it's hammering uh, home the tone so that mm-hmm. they know exactly what the comps are. Mm-hmm. so there's no misunderstanding and then how the scenes look and how the mechanics how the heights would work mm-hmm. and that thing. So um it became 30 minutes, which was worry for me, but I was like, I, no one came out of that, it's to what Mark's saying, Like, if they're passing on the show, <laughs> then it's because they don't want this show. It's not right. because we were not clear. Not because they
0: don't know what it is. Oh my, it was yeah. so And
3: that was the big learning. I was like, okay, don't be afraid to go in and just, yeah, and then what Dan was said about like, the second part of it then is like, because I do improv sometimes too, so then it is about like, oh, you know, throwing in different jokes mm-hmm. every time to keep it fresh on your eighth pitch meeting so that <laughs> it's like, you don't get the fatigue.
2: What have what have you learned here
4: today? <laughs> um, be clear in your tone and don't be afraid to be specific. But did you feel like when you
2: when you went into these thirteen pitches, you had all this stuff, and it's their own damn fault but they that they did it. That is
4: it; they're all wrong. But no, that is yeah. those are conversations that we had quite a bit with uh, my pod partners. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all felt good about what we had done. And we kept telling ourselves, if people pass on it, it's not because we didn't Deliver the goods. Yeah. Yeah. We were ready. It's it's
0: not you sometimes. No. Yeah. A lot of times, most of the time. It's, it's a fear. It's still a town that, it, you know, that's based in fear and based <laughs> in like, I don't know. Do I take a risk? So, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah and, the, and the mandate's weird too. Cause recently yeah. I just did a pitch for like a network thing. And then before we went in, we said the log line, you know, mm. and then like a supernatural dramedy. And then the past, maybe it was other reason, but the past was like, we don't like supernatural. Yeah. And we're like, wait a second, but. Why did you bring us here? Yeah, and I was here? like, you could pass uh, for a million reasons. This character sucks, sure, but I'm like, that supernatural part is what you didn't like. But I'm like, right. we, why are we, why are we doing this? So then right. you can't. It's not. I, I choose to think it's not our fault. No, it is just they don't want that, and it's
0: fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, you they,
2: can't guess at that stuff. And yeah. like they may have heard another supernatural one that yeah. they loved for other reasons that yeah. they do buy, and like it feels like they don't know what they want. <laughs> it,
4: I mean, it's all brand and programming. Yes, this is what I'm totally. telling myself to soothe myself uh-huh. over yeah. my 13 stab wounds. <laughs> is that? But a lot of the feedback that we got, yeah. which hope I mean I'm I'm gonna take it at face value, was we don't have things to program it with, or this is too light for our fare. This is too dark for our fair that it you really even though there are so many outlets now and Mm it should it sort of feels like you know you can sell anything anywhere there's a place for everything but uh people still have their very specific uh brands absolutely
2: i'm curious to hear about like finding the way in on something that isn't immediately coming from you
4: not every writer is fortunate enough to we were talking about this earlier to turn down jobs or to curate your career and you just you get offered a job and you have to take it because you have obligations or family or whatever and even though it's not something you would necessarily watch or uh would tell all of your friends to watch i always find you have to find something about it to fall in love with because part of the job too and i think this is very important is that the showrunner needs to know that you're excited as excited about the show as they are. Um, So whether it's through a character that you can pick that uh, and that's the character you're you love and you're going to champion. You're going to mm-hmm. volunteer to write all the scenes for that character. You know. Can
2: you speak about this in a specific way? Is that? Our, uh, and I open this to any of you uh, who feel comfortable doing that.
4: Um, I'm not going to speak specifically okay. about uh, <laughs> because fair. I've loved every <laughs> show that I've worked on deeply. Well said. Just on a on a separate note, when it comes to development and mm. projects that are going to be mine that I can choose to do because I'm working for free. What I learned is that because early on, I, I had a, a pretty good pilot sample mm-hmm. that then people were asking, like there was a company that asked me, hey, why don't you develop a medical show for us? And I had no interest in writing a medical show. Um, but because it was sort of a big company, I thought, oh, this is my shot. I've got to figure something out. And so I sort of forced something out that wasn't great, that I didn't mm-hmm. love, and um, and i think it showed and that's why it never went anywhere and the same thing goes for like when you get to a certain point people start throwing ip at you yeah. you know and it's like oh this is huge ip and this is the next hunger games and if i write this i'm going to be a huge whatever i'm going to make a ton of money and then but um but i've learned the about the power of saying no yes you know absolutely yeah it's yeah. hard but
2: yeah, no, that's yeah. very true.
5: I uh, very. I agree with what you're saying, though, about, you know, sometimes you'll be seduced by the dark side. Um, <laughs> and it'll be a show that not not necessarily is in your wheel well. And, um, and yet it sounds like it's got such great auspices, depending yeah. on how you're coming into it. This isn't a personal project. This would be something that, you know, you're doing with someone. And, um, yeah, I just discovered it at some point. I went, you know... Um, I'm a person that loves what I love. And so as much, I love watching procedurals, by the way, I watch them all day. So law and order, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. bring it on. But um, in terms of what I like working on, it is a very, it's a narrower focus. So sci-fi, horror, comics, that kind of stuff. That's where I grew up with. That's what I love. I love those worlds. And so I have now sort of concentrated to just, I just don't want to push the envelope on, onto other things because there's plenty in the worlds I like that I think my strengths Mm lie in as opposed to, well, that would be an amazing, show and I think it has a chance to go five years on X network but I don't know that I'm the guy to do that yeah. um, and that would show and I would get very sad very quickly <laughs> yeah. because you just go this isn't fit for me whereas if you know to use if somebody comes up to me and says we want you to take over Ash versus Evil Dead which is probably not on everyone's bucket list but it was on mine sure yes. um, and so I went uh, where do I sign basically so it's it's finding those projects that get you that excited and that 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 really revved up so that when you jump into something, um, you feel like you can give it the passion it needs. Because if you don't have it, these jobs are insane. Yeah. In yeah. terms of the time and of the course. energy that go in. And when you're on a show, it's 24-7, seriously yeah. 24-7. And even when you
0: love it, it's insane too. Yeah. So you better love There's it. There's misery yeah. and a
5: half when you don't love it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. did
3: have a, a, to talk about a specific experience, it's, it's essentially, I found that I loved something more, I delved into it. So mm-hmm. Is it, I don't remember, like last, two years ago, I created a show for Netflix International. I went mm-hmm. to Malaysia, mm-hmm. so, but wow. it was a book that they brought to me. So it's like an open writing assignment. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when I first read the book, I'm like, there's great things, but I'm not like, I'm like, there's a lot of reshaping. Mm-hmm. But then then it's, I think it's to what Tamara's saying, finding something you love, a relationship or a dynamic something, mm-hmm. and then I just like leaned into it. And by the time I got to Malaysia doing The Room, by the time we start breaking then it became and then it was like oh my god now I'm like I'm like okay this is now it, yeah. it's like we're we're in the right path like this is I'm truly excited about the relationship we're showing um you changed
2: the dna of the I, initial I did. thing and yeah. it more years yes, Which is, yes. yes and
3: then I think but then I had the luxury of that because it was a book already and mm-hmm. the author did a great job laying the foundation that I was able to You know, mix it. And then I think I was very clear when I was talking to Netflix. I was like, this is the version I'm doing. If you were gonna, if you want me, if we're not doing this version, we're not, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. So then luckily they stuck to that and we didn't have to change too much. Um, But so sometimes maybe it's just when you talk to people like, hey, I wanna change all these. Take or me, take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. This is yeah.
2: what I bring to it. Yeah. Uh, this is the Ghost Bride. Yes. Is what is happening with it? Will we be able to watch it? Yeah,
3: coming out January 2020. <gasps> we right. are Congratulations. Oh, thank thank you. You. That's So cool. That's. Uh, thank you. It's uh, yeah. It's like a Chinese language. So we wrote it in English because I can't write Chinese, and they had a translator. So they shot it in Malaysia. And it's going to come out simultaneously, 160 countries wow, in January. That's amazing! Congrats. Congrats. Yeah.
2: Dana, tell us about your experience in this and in putting yourself into something that's not necessarily coming from you.
0: Yeah, and it's it's also really cool to like hear the different takes on it and think about like what have I what I've kind of learned and like to what you both were speaking to a moment ago. There's I've lately been doing that. Having to, to to sort of check myself on the no and like remembering like no is always available to you it's yeah. always an option you <laughs> it's know, hard because it, it, it can be hard but um, so remembering that but also I've I I have learned along the way for sure that I've got to I, I have to know where can I latch onto this thing especially if, if, yeah with things being brought but even finding that balance between the stories I want to tell. And and that people, it's wonderful and unfortunate that people will be coming to me with things that I could spend my entire career telling other people's stories or as one of my good friends says, raising other people's creative children. <laughs> and, you know, and so it's like, do I want to do that? And sometimes it's great because you can find a way you know, to uh, make it your own in a way that, okay, this feels like it's now as personal as if it started as my idea, you know, which is great. But um, for me, it's striking the balance in terms of my just creative boundaries of like, you know, what do I have time for? But then really I've noticed for myself, it's pretty, I'm pretty clear pretty quickly on whether or not I can lock into something. And like listening, that whole piece of listening to your intuition, that same voice, it's like, you should have probably cut that scene here and then you didn't, you know, it's that Mm -hmm. same voice. It's like, ooh, this is what you latch on to, or there's nothing really. And so trying to really listen um, when I'm taking something in or if it's being pitched to me or if I get a piece of material that I I know quickly and to like listen to that initial gut reaction of like, this is what I'm latching on to, and this I know I can run with and make it worth it or not. So that's what I've just been working with lately sure that's
2: cool sure mm-hmm. um th- i feel like there's so much to cover with all of you that we'll have to have you back but i want to ask um before we start to wrap up about some of the weirder things on your resumes <laughs> um, what is tiger rules
3: oh my god <laughs> and no it's this web series because i i want to direct as well so and at the, actually it, right after hannibal I love being on it for two seasons. It was just so dark that I was like, I, I also write comedy. I'm yeah. like, I just went and wrote like six, is it, I think six episodes, a web series, and I raised money and I shot it That's and awesome. directed. Yeah, and it was purely reaction from like, I need to get away from serial killers. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I had fun. It was, a, it, I think that kind of reminded me of like, oh, I have to push directing forward because yeah. just the fact that like even making something, I was so happy.
2: So does it feel like, you know, you can now... Chase that a little a little more, you know, being where you are in your career, having a few shows under um, your belt.
3: I wish. I don't think so. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean it's it's, it's so hard. hard. It is so hard to get into like, do I get into like this the T V directing, you know, mm-hmm. cycle, but then I'm a writer, so I can't be or I mean my dream is just like write that little indie features that we can, you know, that um I can raise money and then direct that. Or when I have a show on air, I say I'm going to direct episode 6 mm-hmm. to get that going. Right.
2: The the bigger question is sort of like how do we have this conversation with our representatives yep. when we have agents or with our managers, whether it's directing or other responsibilities or just like, I've been in comedy for 10 years and now I want to do dark drama. Can you help me make that transition? Like They don't
4: like it when you do that. Yeah, no, yeah. they like it. They like to keep you in that box because it is easier to sell you in that box and trying to, I mean, basically, if you're a drama writer and you decide one day, I want to write comedies now, it's like starting with a baby writer. Yeah. So so what I think you have to do is and I'm speaking completely out of my tuokus here is write a killer sample in that genre. One that undeniably they have to look at it and go, Yeah, you can do this. That's great
2: advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Or, you know, shoot something. Yeah, shoot did. something. Or shoot something. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I'm Wonder curious if things. you all think and it may be uh, that maybe i'm speaking from from my you know window, but I feel like there's a little bit because like the half hour has gotten more dramatic, the mm-hmm. one hour has gotten funnier yes. i you know over the past however many years, so there's to me been a little bit of a of a blending and a little bit of a relaxing where I think those trends you know as somebody who spent the first half of her career in drama and then but you're right because of, a friend reached out and said hey we're getting ready to do this show do you want to come over which uh, you know and so that what if that made that leap easier whereas if I had just said hey I think I want to write comedy now <laughs> no I don't think it would have been as easy but I also feel like the reason he was that my friend Prentice was able even able to do that with Insecure is because of mm. you know there's yeah. been a, just a whatever if you want to call it, right? Yeah, kind of a, meshing, sort of a meshing, a little bit of a blending. <laughs> yeah. So that's also just something interesting that's I yeah. feel like has happened. I yeah, love. A lot of doors have been opened, and, mm-hmm. and
3: I love that because I love those half-hour like yeah. drawn, like the Nurse yeah. Jackie's of the world, Californication oh, yeah. now, mm-hmm. you know, Fleabag.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And hours that get to have a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pre-Sex mm-hmm.
3: girlfriend is a comedy, a one-hour comedy. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. I like those so, too. Those are yeah. it's
2: kind of my yeah, yeah. Um, you? Tamara, you have worked. It looked like a bunch of cop shows. Yeah, and then a bunch of superhero shows. Is this is this um, is this your wheelhouse? Is this in your kitchen? Is this like where you live and want to be working? Is the thing that you took out to pitch a totally different? kind of
4: thing. It is a totally different kind of thing that I took out it, what I wanted to do was a dramedy uh, in, in the vein of like a Coen Brothers or a Fargo. And so that's what oh, I That's what we all want to do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I know, I know.
2: We live in a golden age of tone. Yeah, <laughs>
4: that's great. That is great. That's great. That's yeah. all
2: tribute my writing partner. <laughs> that, he says it in every meeting. That's
4: But good. what I, you know, I liked doing the procedural stuff. Mm-hmm. Um But the the stuff that I was doing, there wasn't enough levity in it. And just my natural instinct is to go to the jokes, you know, or find the humor in the situations. And so I found that that when I started working on the superhero stuff, that there was more opportunity to do that. Or I liked sort of writing on shows that live in a world that aren't quite based in reality. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you can sort of translate that that you know weird tone stuff to i mean obviously to doom patrol but but to a lot of these more recent shows that you've worked on
4: but at the end of the day i mean i you always get asked in the meetings what do you like to write yeah. you know and they're looking for a genre what genre right. do you like or, and for me, I don't really have a specific genre that I love because I love everything. I'm just yeah. a consumer and a lover of entertainment and <laughs> pop culture, you know? And I, it, for me, it just comes down to like, and this is like such an amorphous, useless thing to say in a meeting, but I love writing great characters. I
2: know. this. We do this too. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard. You know, some execs get it and yeah. some are like, but that's not about policemen.
4: <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Could be.
2: Um, but I feel like that is more and more what's on TV, mm-hmm. right? Is it kind of doesn't matter what the genre trappings are, uh, you have these characters that you attach to. And and Mark, I think you've been part of a lot of these shows mm-hmm. since since Battlestar, at least, uh, which sort of was a proving ground for that. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you like sci-fi, right. you're going to be invested in these characters in a lot of
5: ways. I, I was very lucky. I mean, I was on Smallville the first three years yeah. of that, and oh. so you know, it's you know, we were sort of doing the. It was a Flash show before that, but I think we were sort of doing the first yeah. prototype for what's become mm-hmm. CW-type mm-hmm. shows. Yeah, and, and I do um, remember
2: the guys saying, like, no, no tights, no flights. No tights, no, no flights, yes. Mm-hmm. No aliens in
5: Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We... Uh, um, I, the other, the, it's very much it's, what's changed a lot too I think in terms of presenting shows and coming up with ideas is that when I started I was glued to the ratings I remember a show mm. I was on that got cancelled was getting like a 10 share <laughs> oh with God. a you know and that was that was yeah. completely so wow. horrendous yeah, right? back then because that's when shows were getting 25s and 30s oh and mm. now a show that got that would be an ER sized hit yeah. so the fact that you can make a show that has a niche audience now and it's not as important to hit mass market Means that there are an enormous number of uh, venues now that are looking for things that are different. What they're looking for are things that, that obviously, most of them I think are looking for things they stand out. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes this show? I want to see it. There are, you know, there are a lot of shows. So many shows out there now. It's hard to pick one where yeah. you go like, I want to commit to this or commit yeah. to that. But um, but the ability to pitch to that exists. Way more than when I started. I mean, when I started, there was basically HBO, Showtime, and the networks, you okay. know, and that was kind of it. This is I'll, I'll date myself nineteen ninety six um, in television. Yeah. So um, the the change now, where I could do, and not to keep coming back to Ash, but that show, I think That's its audience example. was. By any standards, not huge. And yet they did three seasons, and Mm -hmm. it'll live on in all sorts of, you know, not DVDs, but streaming venues into the future. So, um, but we were able to do that show. And yeah. with a good budget, which was such a weird show—it was comedy, funny, horror, Delights, and, like insane so show. Much fun.
2: Um, yeah, and that could not have existed.
5: Uh, you ten would years never, ago. in a million years, have gotten that on the air yeah. ten years ago. I don't know who would have taken it, <laughs> and they tried. I think, like it's sci-fi or oh, something, interesting. but that would have been I such wonder. a sanitized right. version of it. Yeah. So. Um, and the other thing I'm liking now is actually shorter shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash was 30 minutes, and mm. there is nothing more fun than doing a 30 minute drama. Um, yeah. <laughs> just from a strictly craft standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, oh, two days awesome. done.
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs> um, but but also just from a you know you learn a lot about being concise and moving characters quickly, and you know yeah. um, it was a serialized show, so it wasn't like you had to close everything out at the end of every episode. But um, that was that was a good experience. I liked I liked working on. Uh, that's the first time I'd done a half hour. And oh, is so, that right? Yeah. Awesome. How funny. Because in it, drama, they just don't really exist. They, yeah. A little bit now, Homecoming. Yeah. But and, I
2: loved how that show just tore through story. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you trusted your characters uh, to to sort of carry you through that. But but on the flip side, I loved how Swamp Thing lives in the moments. Right. I and mean, I think where that show really succeeds is in the small character mm-hmm. moments, um, especially among the three main characters.
5: Yeah. We spent a lot of time trying to... Um, make sure, I mean, we really felt that this is part of the pitch, actually, that you needed to be as interested in the world around Swamp Thing as Swamp Thing himself. Absolutely. Um, uh, the monster's a wonderful character, and, and, uh, but um, he's not even a monster. Why do I say that? <laughs> he's our hero. Um, but, uh, he, uh, but if you weren't invested in the human characters of interacting with him, uh, yeah. that was, was going to become, I think, to us a less interesting project absolutely a um, little bit of I, I don't want to say a little bit he was in quite a few episodes he was in all the episodes but not enormous swamp thing mm-hmm. himself um he just had to like the or hate the characters that were Be compelled by yes yeah. around yeah. him
2: absolutely so. which is kind of true of every show right like yeah let's let's trust the world let's enjoy the world here's the weird thing i want to ask you about and i have a lot of options uh, <laughs> the dark shadows oh is it was it a pilot yep uh, this was in 2005, is 2004 or so five. What is the story of that?
5: <sighs> well, <laughs> so I wish I kept the answering machine message from the head of Warner brothers back then okay. said it was the best pilot he'd read all year. Um, and that's why it's still running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how do I put this? <laughs> <laughs> we can skip this if you it, want. It, it actually, it came together in such an amazing way. Um, we had, John John Wells and I did it. Oh, interesting. And it was the first time I was executive producing a project. And so, uh, and uh, wrote the pilot, which they loved at Warners. I was working with the creator of Dark Shadows, a guy named Dan Curtis, oh, wow. who was mm-hmm. like 75 at the wow. time. That's um, wild. And a uh, cast was... Um, uh, Jessica Chastain was oh, the lead um, uh, nice. just wow. an insane cast uh, of amazing folks Martin Donovan cast. The, the, the person who brought the coffee in on a tray turned out to be this amazing actress uh, it was just incredible <laughs> wow so um, but long story short um, we ended up creatively um, and uh, I don't I'm a firm believer in not sort of dumping on folks. Sure, absolutely. So, but creatively, it didn't turn out as well as uh, the studio had hoped. Gotcha. And, um, and I think also it was coming at a time they had just either wrapped or were about to wrap Buffy, I think mm-hmm. Buffy was done, um, Angel, and they were vampired out. <laughs> yeah, to some extent. That makes sense. So um, well, now we, we say, like, spent a fortune on it and um, <laughs> it now collects dust bunnies on a shelf somewhere. Which is
2: the more common outcome to so many pilots. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It was sad because it was,
5: I look back on that, that could have been, uh, um, and obviously they're rebooting it now again. That's yeah, right. So,
2: it's, it's a perennial. It keeps coming back. But um, but also yeah. nice to hear that, like, the script was liked and the oh, yeah. script, right? Like, it seems like you were happy with the script. Yeah. Um, so, again, we, we control the things we can control, yeah. right? And so much is out of our own control. No, it's, it's totally. I can't worry about it. Um, I
0: Dan- can. But. Yes. I'm sitting here thinking, does anything get that weird? I'm, maybe I should be weirder, but I'm excited to see what Let you Let me take you with. back to 2014. Oh, dear. All right. An en vogue Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. I have got to hear about this. <laughs> it was actually really cool. That was definitely one of those where the finding the thing that you love... I loved In Vogue as a kid. So, you know, when they were pitching me this idea of, like, well, we want to do a biopic around them, but we also want to do a Christmas movie. I was like, we can figure that out. I mean... Why not? Yes. In that world of like figuring out your, the boundary between your no and what you can latch on to. It's like, (laughs) and then working with friends. I'm like, this is going to be fun. Let's do it. Oh my God. In Vogue and Christmas. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. (laughs) So I was like, this feels like what I can latch on to. Let's go. So it was, it actually was really fun. It was just, it was as wacky and as it sounds, you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, I'm going to put these things together. I'm going to loosely go through their, their, you know, their kind of arc as a group and then, of course, you, you'll you have your, like, you know, you can talk about this. You can't talk about that. Right. We can do this. We can do that. You know. <laughs> so you have all that stuff. And then it was like, let's do this. Like, you know, Lifetime has their sort of batch every year of that oh, kind okay. of stuff uh. that they do. And so when – and that's also the the fun piece we didn't talk about earlier, too, is, like, when people approach you that it's like – You know who do I want to actually spend with this business being the hall that it is? When when people that you enjoy working with are like, "Hey, you want to do this thing?" That's also a factor that can be really huge. Mm -hmm. That can be huge, and so it was. It was one of those like. If you had said before somebody called with that pitch that somebody was going to call with that pitch, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you, but then they yeah. did, and I was like, well, all right.
2: I love it. I'm going to hunt it down. I can't wait to oh. watch
0: it. You said it's a lifetime? Yeah. They, it, 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 you know, they tried it out every Christmas time because you know how there's like two or three, there's like a lifetime movies and a lifetime yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. And all right. So just, you know, wait till Thanksgiving rolls around, <laughs> and it'll, uh, I'm sure so it'll great. pop back
2: up for you. Um, thank you all for being here. We're going to wrap up, as we always do, by asking you what you are watching on television these days, what's getting you excited or inspired what are you talking about with your in in the room with your friends with your loved ones and Kyle let's start with you
3: (laughs) Uh, I just finished Mindhunter season two. So good, so, good. so, it's great so show. dark. I'm like <laughs> I love it. So to balance that out, I'm watching. I'm a season behind the Good Place, and I'm like so oh. annoyed that like Spotify, like all these commercials are like spoiling <laughs> yeah. season three for me. But I, that show is a great. Yeah. I mean, God, so funny in mythology. And
2: again, like we're living in this incredible age of TV, where neither of those shows could have existed.
4: Yeah. especially at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Right, five years ago, even. That's like, uh, these are good answers.
4: Yeah. So I just finished watching. There's two things. Uh, I just finished watching The Loudest Voice, which is the Roger Ailes show on Showtime. Yeah. That nobody's been talking about. No. But, no. Hmm. Uh, somebody I know was very insistent that I watch it, and I thought this is going to make me way too angry. Yeah. Uh, and it did, but it was also fantastic, okay, and it really just distilled it. down his whole creation of Fox News and everything that he did and everything. That happened, and what was really interesting to me about it is uh, how, in these types of stories, that they they made characters out of all the people that helped facilitate mm-hmm. the what he was doing to people and to women, and that how uh, he. He took the brunt of the blame and everybody else, as he started getting, uh, as people started calling him out, everybody and all the people that were complicit in what he did started distancing Uh, themselves from him. So I thought it was very interesting. Um, And then the other thing that I started literally last night and then watched all of it was unbelievable on Netflix. Mm. Um, It's fantastic. Yeah,
5: Mark, you got to do that one. Yeah. The one I've been hooked on recently is in Mr. In-Between. We were talking about this earlier. Um, It's an Australian show that's on FX. Um, The first season was six half-hour episodes. Um, uh, it's um, quirky and fun and I think, but it's a very dark, it's a hitman story and I, I was really reticent to start because there's been an enormous amount of hitmen it's like <laughs> you populate a city with hitmen <laughs> in this world, which but, you could sell that shit. Uh, to uh, it's, it's, <laughs> oh shoot, I did my pitch um, but what's, what's fun about it is there's both the Australian idea that, that you're seeing kind of this other culture mm-hmm. with this in it, but the lead is a guy who is clearly also trying to raise a little girl and he's got a brother with a severe uh, wasting disease and and, you know he's got all these sort of issues as well and so it's I think Mr. In Between refers to how he's trying to balance his personal life with this life where he literally goes out and and sometimes has to kill people Mm. Um, but um, What's fun, and, and, and I don't want to spoil any of it, but it is a show where it can stop for seven minutes just to talk about um, sex education with his yes. daughter. Mm. And, um, and it's very funny and inventive, but also quite touching <laughs> because the daughter didn't know anything. Oh, that sounds And great. Um, so I like that one a lot. And uh, it's on right now. The second season's on right now, and I think it's 10 this year oh, they wow. did. Nice. And then um, the other one I liked recently, and, and I, when I was on Swamp Thing, I didn't watch a lot of TV, so I've been catching up, but it was Homecoming, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought um, started in an interesting place and got more interesting, and I have not finished yet. Oh, cool. But I am uh, another, again, another half hour show. I don't know why yeah. I keep gravitating toward mm-hmm. those,
2: but... <laughs> Time is precious. Um, yeah, yes. yes. yeah. That one's fascinating to me, and uh, so I'm going to try to finish that one up. Oh, it's good to hear someone recommend it. Like, it pops up every once in a while, but it's something I just keep putting off. It's been around for like a year or yeah. so. Yeah, it's
3: That's I, I, it on my list too, but I haven't yeah.
2: gotten to it. I will
0: yeah. now. <laughs> it's but very I, cool. I love the queue. Yeah.
2: Uh, Dana, what are you watching?
0: Um, first of all, disclaimer is the same, where I've been have kind yeah. of buried and have not been watching as much stuff as I feel like I should and want to. Um, and Fleabag, I actually was behind and finally, uh, and finally into, and I'm deep into like the binge of that and very much Oh, you haven't it. finished it yet? No. Oh, um, I'm for so what, how for lucky you. are you? <laughs> I know, <laughs> and it's literally one of those that. where like, I, I have to, oh, I've got to be somewhere, i got to stop. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm having a lot of fun oh. just getting caught up on that right now. Um... What else? I just started, like, room. Is it one? The HBO one, room yeah, 130. 104. 104. I'm like, what's the room number? 104. I think that's right. Yes. And so that's an interesting, just looking, I've been looking at things that kind of are, that kind of genre blending a little bit. Um, so there's, uh, yeah, I just started that and I'm intrigued. Cool. Um, and I also really, really also want to get all the way caught up on The Good Place as well. Yeah because I'm behind and yeah. I'm excited oh, to see so funny that shit know. to it I know. and
2: listen to the podcast it's great really uh, they do an I episode episode, episode podcast hosted um, by Mark Evan Jackson uh, who plays Sean the judge on the show
3: wait where do you find the podcast
2: is it just online or it's just is
3: online? Is it, what where, <laughs> you, you what? just find it where all podcasts are found <laughs> 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 that goes on with the episodes I've never heard of I did not have uh, yeah. it I didn't know they did
2: one. they started it last season but they went back and did oh. the previous seasons too and it's a great inside look at the yeah. show and with the writers and actors, and it's—I I highly recommend okay, it. What a great
0: thing to
2: know! Yeah, um, no way to you that. we live in a complicated one, <laughs> but an exciting one <laughs> yeah. at times, and a tone-driven one. <laughs> a tone-driven <laughs> one. Um, thank you all so much for being here. I hope you'll come back and chat again soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. forever
3: dog. This has been a Forever Dog production.